All right, welcome back. Um, today is Monday, August 23rd. This is Kingdom Testimony Podcast. We are going to continue in the book of Enoch. Um, I'm reading from the Dr. Ronald K. Brown edition. Um, but it matches the R.H. Charles one so far as I've seen, word for word. I know I mentioned that edition or translation or whatever in the last in the last podcast last Thursday. But they look pretty much identical. So let's continue on. Chapter 10. This is the flood prophesied. Then said the Most High, the Holy and Great One spake. And sent Uriel to the son of Lamech, and said to him, Go to Noah, and tell him in my name, Hide thyself, and reveal to him the end that is approaching, that the whole earth will be destroyed, and a deluge is about to come upon the whole earth, and will destroy all that is on it. And now instruct him that he may escape, and his seed may be preserved for all the generations of the world. And again the Lord said to Raphael, Bind Azazel, hand and foot, and cast him into the outer darkness, and make an opening in the desert, which is in Dudael, and cast him therein. And place upon him rough and jagged rocks, and cover him with darkness, and let him abide there forever, and cover his face, that he may not see light. And on the day of the great judgment he shall be cast into the fire. Verse 7. And heal the earth, which the angels have corrupted, and proclaim the healing of the earth, that they may heal the plague, and that all the children of men may not perish through all the secret things that the watchers have disclosed, and have taught their sons. And the whole earth has been corrupted through the works that were taught by Azazel. To him ascribe all sin. Okay, that was the Lord speaking to Raphael. And and to Gabriel said the Lord. Now he's talking to Uriel, Raphael, and Gabriel. And Michael. Verse 9 And to Gabriel said the Lord, Proceed against the bastards and the reprobates, and against the children of fornication, and destroy the children of fornication, and the children of the watchers from amongst men, and cause them to go forth. Send them one against the other, that they may destroy each other in battle, for length of days shall they not have. And no request that they their fathers make of thee shall be granted unto their fathers on their behalf for they hope to live an eternal life and that each one of them will live have 500 years and the Lord said to Michael go bind Semjaza and his associates who have united themselves with women so as to have defiled themselves with them in all their uncleanness and when their sons have slain one another and they have seen the destruction of their beloved ones Bind them fast for seventy generations in the valleys of the earth 
till the day of their judgment and of their consummation, till the judgment that is forever and ever is consummated. In those days they shall be led off to the abyss of fire, and to the torment and the prison in which they shall be confined forever. And whosoever shall be condemned and destroyed will from thenceforth be bound together with them to the end of all generations, and destroy all the spirits of the reprobate and the children of the watchers, because they have wronged mankind. Destroy all wrong from the face of the earth, and let every evil work come to an end. And let the plant of righteousness and truth appear, and it shall prove a blessing. The works of righteousness and truth shall be planted in truth and joy forevermore. And then shall all the righteous escape, and shall live till they beget thousands of children. And all the days of their youth and their old age shall they complete in peace. And then shall the whole earth be tilled in righteousness, and shall be planted with trees and be full of blessing. And all desirable trees shall be planted on it, and they shall plant vines on it. And the vine which they plant therein shall yield wine in abundance. And as for all the seed which is sown thereon, each measure, measure of it shall bear a thousand, and each measure of olives shall yield ten presses of oil. And cleanse thou the earth from all oppression, and from all unrighteousness, and from all sin, and from all godlessness, and all the uncleanness that is wrought upon the earth destroy from off the earth. And all the children of men shall become righteous, and all nations shall offer adoration, and shall praise me, and all shall worship me. And the earth shall be cleansed from all defilement, and from all sin, and from all punishment, and from all torment, and I will never again send them upon it, from generation to generation, and forever. Okay, that's chapter 10. So God is planning to send a flood across the whole earth, and he tells the angels to go tell Noah that he is going to hide himself. Him and his seed will escape. He doesn't say, say how, he just says to go do that. Chapter 11. And in those days I will open the store chambers of blessings which are in heaven, so as to send them down upon the earth over the work and labor of the children of men. And truth and peace shall be associated together throughout all the days of the world and throughout all the generations of men. So this is the foretelling that the Lord is giving to the angels that he is going to destroy the, the, the world, the earth, <clears throat> and then he's going to heal the earth, which the angels have corrupted, verse 7. And he's going to have all of the offspring of the watchers slay each other. And the evil people that are left, that have been corrupted by all this, he's going to drown in the flood. Now that may seem cruel, but we have to remember, when God takes someone's life, he's sparing them. Okay? When people kill other people, it's cruel. When God takes someone's life, it's mercy. All right? There's people who he takes from the earth and their destiny is hell. But it stops them from committing 
more evil and making their punishment worse. So I know, I know that doesn't really resonate um, well, but that is, that is the way it is. He is trying to keep people from further torture, from the Watchers and their offspring. Now these offspring are part human and part fallen angel. So that, you know, makes them pretty much monsters. The human part of that being is likely being tormented by the evil part of that being. Think of us. Our flesh and our mind are at war against our spirit. But what these are is half human and half evil spirit. I'm not saying God is going to give them a chance at heaven. Do they have a soul? I don't know. Do angels have souls? I don't think so. Because the soul is the mind and the will, which they might have emotions, they might have. But do they have, they do have a destiny, heaven or hell. Just giving you something to think about. I'm just kind of talking it through. I don't know for sure. I can't tell you for sure. Okay, let's start with chapter 12. Before these things, Enoch was hidden, and no one of the children of men knew where he was hidden and where he abode and what had become of him. Remember in um, Genesis, Enoch walked with God, and then he was not because God took him. He didn't kill Enoch and take him to heaven and be like, okay, you're here in heaven forever. That's it. He took him and hid him. Verse 3, And I, Enoch, was blessing the Lord of majesty and the king of the ages, and lo, the watchers called me, Enoch the scribe, and said to me, Enoch, thou scribe of righteousness, go, declare to the watchers of the heaven, who have left the high heaven, the holy eternal place, and have defiled themselves with women, and have done as the children of earth do, and have taken unto themselves wives. Okay, now you, I, we need to point something out. In verse 3, the watchers called him and said to go declare to the watchers of the heaven who've left the high heaven. So watchers, not all watchers are bad. Okay, I think this is pretty clear. Um, but the watchers in the heaven called the watchers of the heaven who have left the high heaven the holy eternal place, and defile themselves with women, and have done as the children of the earth do, and have taken unto themselves wives. He said, go tell them. Verse, uh, he said, okay, still in verse 4. Ye have wrought great destruction on the earth, and ye shall have no peace, nor forgiveness of sin. And inasmuch as they delight themselves in their children, the murder of their beloved ones shall they see, and over the destruction of their children shall they lament. And shall make supplication unto eternity, but mercy and peace shall ye not attain. This is really interesting. Okay, that's the end of chapter 12. <clears throat> um, it's interesting because um, it says, You shall not have peace nor forgiveness of sin. 
Isn't that interesting? Something to think about there. Hmm. One thing I like about the book of Enoch, it, it looks further into things, and maybe that's why the Catholic Church took it out. Or, you know, the Roman Catholic Church. And I don't know if that was done in, in Constantine's time or when it was, but there's many revealing things in the book of Enoch. So, I mean, it's just something to, like, pray about. And we can always ask the Lord to open up some of these interesting facts to us. And Enoch went and said, chapter 13, Azazel, thou shalt have no peace. A severe sentence has gone forth against thee to put thee in bonds. And thou shalt not have toleration nor request granted to thee because of the unrighteousness which thou hast taught and because of all the works of godlessness and unrighteousness and sin which thou hast shown to men. Then I went and spoke to them all together and they were all afraid and fear and trembling seized them. And they besought me to draw up a petition for them that they might find forgiveness and to read their petition in the presence of the Lord of heaven. For from thenceforward they could not speak with him, capital H, him, God, the Lord of heaven, nor lift up their eyes to heaven for shame of their sins for which they had been condemned. It's very interesting here <clears throat> when I interject. They felt shame. They're asking to, for Enoch to sign a petition for their uh, forgiveness. But yet back in chapter whatever it was, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter 6, where they say, let us swear an oath and bind ourselves and then not to abandon this plan. And they all swore together to do it. They weren't hesitating then. Okay, verse 6 of chapter 13. Then I wrote out their petition and the prayer in regard to their spirits and their deeds individually and in regard to their requests that they should have forgiveness and length. And I went off and sat down at the waters of Dan, in the land of Dan, to the south of the west of Hermon. I read their petition till I fell asleep. And behold, a dream came to me and visions fell down upon me and I saw visions of chastisement. And a voice came bidding me to tell it to the sons of heaven and reprimand them. Okay, I want to stop right here. I remember I was telling you, um, oh, there's only two verses left of chapter 13. Let's do those. And when I awaked, I came unto them, and they were all sitting, gathering, gathered together, weeping in Abel's jail, which is between Lebanon and Senesir, with their faces covered. And I recounted before them all the visions which I had seen in sleep. And I began to speak the words of righteousness and to reprimand the heavenly watchers. Look at the emotions that they are exhibiting here, <clears throat> whether it's faked or not. Don't know, but they're all weeping with their faces covered. Um, still chapter 13, verse 3. They're all afraid, fear and trembling, so they feel fear. Um, it's interesting how they're feeling these emotions that that people have isn't that interesting okay i want to i want to get something that i talked about in the last episode 
Okay, I had I had talked about the book Reversing Hermann by Dr. Michael Heiser. Um, the byline is Enoch, the Watchers, and the Forgotten Mission of Jesus Christ. I would like to recommend this book. I don't know Dr. Heiser. Um, I've been re researching what happened when these angels left heaven and decided to do all of this with the humans and Genesis chapter 6 and <clears throat> all of this stuff. It's It's been extremely fascinating to me because, and as I point out in my, in my professing Christians Word, WordPress blog, on several posts, we are in the part of the Bible where Jesus says, as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. I believe we are nearing the coming of the second coming of Jesus. I believe it with all my heart. I feel if we're if we have a decade left on this earth, we're lucky. I'm not a prophet. It's just something I have felt for a long time. It's things that the Lord has confirmed for a long time in me. Um, I believe that the Lord, I, I don't believe in a rapture as I have stated, but I believe the Lord is going to come in his elect in a, in a few righteous people, otherwise known as the remnant. And they will be instrumental on the earth. Okay. But there's more to this watchers thing. Um, the evil watchers. They had offspring. And Enoch, Enoch will talk about that. You know, how, how this offspring was killed on the earth. But their souls or spirits cannot go to heaven. Their offspring called demons they can't they can't go to heaven um enoch they petitioned enoch to go to the lord and ask for forgiveness and god said no you knew full well what you were doing no you know now that you see what the repercussions are going to be you know now you want forgiveness no and so i mean because they would have done it again they they left the lord first of all. And then they conjured up all this evil that they wanted to do. And then they were part of the cannibalism on earth. I mean, they they committed a lot of transgress. There was no savior at the time for them. And angels don't understand the savior part of it that us humans get. You know, the descendants of Adam and Eve. So, um, I just want to read the back of, and this is not copyright infringement because I'm just reading the back cover, which you could see on Amazon or wherever, of this Reversing Hermann book. Um, it unveils what most in the modern church have never heard regarding how the story of the sin of the watchers in 1st Enoch 6 through 16 helped frame the mission of Jesus the Messiah. Jews of the first century expected the Messiah to reverse the impact of the watchers' transgression. For Jews of Jesus' day, the Watchers were part of the explanation for why the world was so profoundly depraved. 
The Messiah would not just revoke the claim of Satan on human souls and estrangement from God, solving the predicament of the fall. He would also not only bring the nations back into relationship with the true God by defeating the principalities and powers that govern them. Jews also believed that the Messiah would rescue humanity from self-destruction, the catalyst for which was the sin of the watchers and the influence of what they had taught humankind. The role of Enoch's retelling of Genesis 6, 1-4, and how New Testament writers wrote of Jesus and the cross has been largely lost to a modern audience. So what the description of this book is saying is that the Jews of Jesus' day, first century Jews, and that's what I pointed out in my last podcast, that the Dead Sea Scrolls had many, many, many copies of Enoch, called First Enoch, because there's a second and third. Um, only First Enoch was part of the original scriptures. They had many copies of Enoch because they did believe that the Messiah was coming in their day. They were looking for the Messiah, the, uh, the Shiloh in Genesis 49. They were looking for the Messiah. And they knew that he was going to save them from the depravity that came from what the Watchers did. Um, reversing Hermon. Hermon was a mount, a mountain. Some say Mount Hermon. Um, and, and Enoch, um, as we've already read, talks about how all of this the fall of the Watchers took place at Mount Hermon. So there's another uh, another thing that I had found online that explained it so well. Okay, I found it. And I would like to give credit to whoever wrote it. I don't really know. It was something off of like a Wikipedia or I found it on the internet. Um, but it says, if you've ever wondered where the Jordan River begins, the answer lies in that snow-capped mountain that is visible from nearly everywhere in northern Israel. From this great height, almost 10,000 feet, the Jordan River rises on the slopes of Mount Hermon, near the borders with Syria and Lebanon, before gushing south into the Sea of Galilee. Situated just north of Caesarea Philippi, Mount Hermon, meaning sacred or abrupt, rises 9,232 feet into the air with three distinct summits visible from the southernmost part of the Sea of Galilee, 60 miles away. This is the highest point in Israel, and for a short time each winter, it is home to Israel's only ski resort. Um, let's see, let's go down here a little ways. There's 20 temp over 20 temples on the slopes. Um, it was considered to be sacred to the worshipers of the Canaanite god Baal. Hermon also can mean the forbidden place. Mount Hermon was the holiest of Israel's highest peaks. Her slopes had other 
mystical attributes as well. This is where the Nephilim giants that Moses and Joshua defeated in the Old Testament lived, Genesis 6, 1 through 8. Um, and later, where David slew one of their close cousins named Goliath. And we'll get into it later, how they, these survived the flood. Um, the Bible lists over 30 verses about giants. All right. So that is basically where Mount Hermon is. It's also one of the three possible spots besides Mount of Olives and Mount Tabor to be the site of Jesus's transfiguration. Um, it was also where they were when Jesus said to, and that's not from this, I, where Jesus said to Peter, who do you say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. They were at Mount Hermon by Caesarea, if I'm not mistaken, when Jesus said that. So it's a very instrumental spot. All right. So let's read chapter 14. The books of the words of righteousness and of the reprimand of the eternal watchers in accordance with the command of the Holy Great One in that vision. I saw in my sleep what I will now say with a tongue of flesh and with the breath of my mouth, which the Great One has given to men to converse therewith and understand with the heart. And he has created and given to man the power of understanding the word of wisdom, so hath he created me also, and given me the power of reprimanding the watchers, the children of heaven. Okay, this is Enoch talking. I wrote out your petition, and in my vision it appeared thus, that your petition will not be granted unto you throughout all the days of eternity, and that judgment has been finally, has been finally passed upon you, Yea, your petition will not be granted unto you. And from henceforth you shall not ascend into heaven unto all eternity. And in bonds of the earth, the decree has gone forth to bind you for all the days of the world. And that previously you shall have seen the destruction of your beloved sons, and you shall have no pleasure in them. But they shall fall before you by the sword, and your petition on their behalf shall not be granted nor yet on your own, even though you weep and pray and speak all the words contained in the writing which I have written. And the vision was shown to me thus, Behold, in the vision clouds invited me, and a mist summoned me, and the course of the stars and the lightning sped and hastened me, and the winds in the, and the, winds in the vision caused me to fly and lifted me upward and bore me into heaven. And I went in till I drew nigh to a wall which is built of crystals and surrounded by tongues of fire. And it began to affright me. And I went into the tongues of fire and drew nigh to a large house which was built of crystals. And the walls of the house were like a tessellated floor made of crystals and its groundwork was of crystal. Its ceiling was like the path of the stars and the lightnings. And between them were fiery cherubim and their heaven was clear as water. A flaming fire surrounded the walls and its portals blazed with fire. And I entered into that house and it was hot as fire and cold as ice. There were no delights of life therein. Fear covered me and trembling gat hold upon me. 
And as I quaked and trembled, I fell upon my face, and I beheld a vision, and lo, there was a second house, greater than the former, and the entire portal stood, upon, stood open before me, and it was built of flames of fire. And in every respect, it so excelled in splendor and magnificence, an extent that I cannot describe to you its splendor and its extent. And its floor was of fire, and above it were lightnings and the path of the stars, and its ceiling also was flaming fire. And I looked and saw therein a lofty throne. Its appearance was as crystal, and the wheels thereof as the shining sun, and there was the vision of cherubim. This sounds a lot like Ezekiel chapter 1. That's me. Okay. Verse 19, And from underneath the throne came streams of flaming fire, so that I could not look thereon. And the great glory sat thereon, and his raiment shone more brightly than the sun, and was whiter than any snow. None of the angels could enter and could behold his face by reason of the magnificence and glory, and no flesh could behold him. The flaming fire was round about him, and a great fire stood before him, and none around could draw nigh him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him, yet he needed no counselor. And the most holy ones who were nigh to him did not leave by night nor depart from him. And until then I had been prostrate on my face, trembling. And the Lord called me with his own mouth and said to me, Come hither, Enoch, and hear my word. And one of the holy ones came to me and waked me, and he made me rise up and approach the door, and I bowed my face downwards. So we will end there. We're almost at 30 minutes. We uh, will pick up on Wednesday with chapter 15. But isn't this fascinating? I love it. I hope you do too. Um, I'm going to continue with the book of Enoch. There are 108 chapters. Um, some of it is just, it's so crazy. Other stuff, when it starts talking about the seasons and the sun and the moon, you know, I'm going to read it when it comes to that. Um, and... You know, it's it's revealing. Like I said, a lot of it sounds like a flat earth. Um, and other times it's just it's hard to it's hard to decipher you know the the moving and the orbits of the heavenly bodies, but Enoch was shown exactly how all of it works. And he's gonna try and describe it. But that's a little ways off. Alright, so we're done there, and I'm going to sign off, and we'll be back on Wednesday with more. Have a blessed day.